talking about chicken a la king. Mango and garbanzo tabbouleh. potatoes and vegetables with roasted garlic and basil. Zucchini ziti. Granola fruit bar. Look at all this beautiful food. Welcome to Green Eggs and Dan, the show where I interview amazing humans with amazing minds and all I care about is what is in their fridge. Guys, my guest today, I'm so excited. He is one of my mentors and one of the main reasons I got into comedy. He's an Iranian-American comedian and actor with numerous stand-up specials on Netflix, Showtime, and more. He created and is the star of Jimmy Westwood, American Hero. He played Foz on Superior Donuts and appeared on Grey's Anatomy, Curb Your Enthusiasm, The Detour, Last Man Standing, and Shameless. He is the author of the LA Times best-selling book, I Am Not a Terrorist, But I've Played One on TV, and he's the host of the Back to School podcast. Please welcome my good friend, Maz Jobrani. Welcome to Green Eggs and Dan. Thank you for having me. What a great title. uh, We are very excited to have you. Thank Uh, you. I mean... We have, we've eaten a couple times together, but um, you know, outside of the eating, uh, I don't know, a lot of the listeners might not know this, but Moz is probably the main reason I got into comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I, I remember, uh, I think I've told you this before, but I, I was in college and I saw you perform and I sent you an email about, oh my God, I might want to do this. And I get these emails all the time and I always ignore them. <laughs> You wrote back a two-page thing about how to become a comedian, and it, it stays with me as one of the nicest things, probably the nicest thing any comedian has ever done with, for me. So thank you. Thank you. Well, that's just, you know, a lot of comedians aren't nice, so that's a low bar that you've set. It's- but no, I think, you know, I think if you can, and if you can share some of that knowledge, you do. Um, and for me, it's very simple, right? Get on stage and write as much as you can. Yeah. Just dive in. That's really it. Right. And it's interesting you say that, because I still get emails from people and I still, if if they sound serious or they're asking the right question, I'll just go back with, you know, get, get on stage and write as much as you can. But then what's happened is because of social media, there's so many people getting in touch from around the world. I get people yeah. writing to me from Iran saying, I want to be an actor in Hollywood. And I'm like, dude, you can't get a visa. <laughs> like, how are you going to do that? <laughs> so a lot of those I do kind of ignore because I go, I can't help this guy. I don't want to, I don't want to get into a conversation with him. Yeah. Sorry, Hamid. Sorry, if you're listening, Hamid. Yeah. Sorry that Maz hasn't got back to you. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, now that I build you up, I'm going to break you down. Yes. We're going to go into your fridge. Let's go into the fridge, um, man. You can see Maz's fridge on my Instagram at standupdan. We are going to publish this. I don't know if you knew that we that we're gonna... publish, man. I got no problem. My wife we're, might get upset, but I'm okay. We're going to put this on blast. So you have the fridge of. An immigrant who's made it. That is the vibe I get. I here. like that. That's, I never there, thought of myself like that. Yeah. I mean, you've got Erwan. Erwan, definitely. Erwan is like, you made it. Yeah, Erwan up in the club. Erwan get hot. It's funny because Erwan, because people go Whole Foods, Whole Paycheck. Erwan makes Whole Foods look like the 99 cent store. Absolutely. Erwan, I walk into Erwan, I feel like I just I, I lost 100 grand or something. I, I feel more broke. You know, I went to Erwan for the first time last week. My my girlfriend's an Erwaner, uh-huh. and it's such a weird place. There's like rappers, like like 
like Nas was walking around. <laughs> Bro, it's a weird place because I don't, I don't, I don't go in as much. My wife goes a lot, yeah. And so exactly what you just said, I happened to be close to it the the other day, and I just want to go to the salad bar. You walk in, there's all these girls dressed in their like oh. tight pants, like yoga pants, yeah. right? They're young, they're hot. There's good looking dudes. There was a dude that was, I think my wife was said like, like he even hit on her. Like this dude's hitting on each on on girls and each other, whatever. And I was like, this is a scene, man. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And the food is so expensive, but I will say this: they have a lot of like I was I went in so cynical, yeah. And they had they she blew my mind with this one thing. She's like, you have to have this. It's a um, it's like a it's like a, a milk with algae in it, and it's blue. I was like, Fantastic. oh, you fucking L.A. You did it, and I drank it, and I was like, how have I lived life without this algae? See, I think that's one of the things that women can do for you um, is is turn you on to things that are of quality. That's that's with my clothing too. I, I, I you know I was never the person who would spend a lot of money on a on a pair of shoes or a jacket or whatever. And my wife has been the one who'll go, no, you should get that. And then I get it. And first of all, I go, oh, this is, you know, you get, you're getting compliments. And secondly, the, it's good quality, so it lasts. Yeah. And so the same thing goes into the food stuff. You know, I think a lot of the stuff you saw, my wife will buy, you know, my wife's Indian originally, and yes. so she kind of likes to cook in that world. So she'll buy these different pre-made broths that she puts into uh, pasta for the kids or whatever. And a lot of times when I taste it, I go, holy moly, what is that? So yes, uh, it's a little expensive, but it tastes good and it feeds uh, four of us. It's delicious. And uh, so so yeah, so this is interesting because you, uh, you straddle a little bit of uh, immigranty and non-immigranty because it's not just Air One. You have a lot of stuff in Tupperware, which makes me think that there's a lot of cooking going on. Oh no, let me tell you about the Tupperware. So the Tupperware comes from, again, my wife does a lot of uh, yoga and so she met this other woman who's uh, from India originally. And, you know, they're Indian-Americans, so they've grown up in America. But I think they were either – my wife was born in India. But she left when she was six months old. Right. This other lady, I don't know her background, but she basically is this woman who I think is, you know, in a good place financially, has kids, and, uh, and she – um, I don't know if it's says. I guess it's 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 a job. It's not a it's not a full time job, but it's kind of like a hobby on the side that she she basically cooks a lot of healthy vegetarian type uh, Indian based meals. Yeah, and so my wife has actually helped her like turned her on to a lot of people. So what she'll do is she'll cook four or five things of Tupperware, uh -huh. send it to us, and you put it in the fridge. And I feel good whenever I eat it. So first of all, since the new year started, I've been trying to snack less, drink less alcohol, all of the above. Not that I was, you know, drinking and passing out, but towards the end of last year, especially I was on tour and all this other stuff. You know, I'd run into a, a scone. I'd be like, I gotta eat the scone. Yeah. Um, I'd uh, end of the night. I'd be wherever I am around I the big, world. Big glass of wine. Glass of wine. It was happening. And so <laughs> my weight has always, you know, been between one seventy five, one eighty five in that range. So I was kind of in that one eighty five, one eighty six plus range. And yeah. so at the new year, I said, you know what? I'm gonna drop ten pounds, go back to one seventy five. So I've been really trying to be good with not having the popcorn and the chocolate and everything else that leads to that road of not eating you yeah. know, well. So when we get these Tupperware filled with the vegetarian Indian food, 
again, I don't know the cal calories of it, but I feel relatively healthy when I eat it. And yeah. then with the kids, she'll she'll give them the rice. I try to lay low on the rice as an Iranian. That's almost sacrilegious. That is sacrilegious. But that's what I do, bro. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's interesting. So it's kind of like a like a like a Postmates, but it's like someone who just makes. It I'm telling in you, your girlfriend turned you on to that blue drink. You should turn your girlfriend on to this lady. Her name's Archie. You got to turn her on to this. I think I will because she's an actress and she never is home or cooking. Yeah. So she never has like good food at home. Dude, it's amazing. Everyone we've we've told this lady about has loved it, and and the food is you know you you could tell her look I want. Uh, more spicy, less spicy, whatever it is, and and it's just and and literally what we do we don't even we don't even microwave it. We have this really big uh, pan, the, this heavy pan, one of these um, like iron pan, you know, cast the, iron, cast iron cast pans, iron, seal it, yeah. yeah. And uh, we'll just take I'll take I'll scoop a little bit of every flavor that she's got there. There's some mushrooms there. There's some whatever it is, um, potatoes, um, Brussels sprouts, whatever it is. But it's all flavored with Indian spices. The flavors of India. Yeah. And I'll just pour, put it in there. I'll cook it for, heat it up for like three four, three, four minutes, eat it, and I feel good. I love it. Indian food is the only food that I feel like if I were going to go vegetarian, I could eat that and not miss meat. Because they know, they, know they know their way around a vegetable. They know their way around. And the fact is, listen, I've, it's funny because a few times where I've said, okay, I'm going to try this vegetarian thing. A lot of times, this is before, I would be like, well, since I'm a vegetarian, then I can have a muffin because it's good. You know, like yeah. it's, it's, it's vegetable. <laughs> right. But the fact is that I have not, I don't cook. So, and I'd like to at some point, because I- It's too late. If you haven't yet, it's No, done. I think Your days are over. Listen, there are times, like just, just this past weekend, I thought, because I, I'm, I'm I'm, I eat out all the time. So whether it's at a Whole Foods or it's like at a uh, Sweet Fin, is it called Sweet Fin? Yeah, the, the, the Pokey the, place. Yeah, Pokey place or Larchmont Deli has a great sandwich, whatever that is. I'll eat out a lot. Yeah. Um, and so the other day I woke up and what I've I've got slightly high cholesterol, so I've been doing a lot of the uh, oatmeal in the morning. And I thought, wow, instead of oatmeal, let me just do some eggs. And then I well, got to do egg white. So then I said, let me cook for the kids as well. So I just went in the fridge and I put it together. And every time I cook, I go, wow, this is a lot easier than I thought. Absolutely. It you is know? a lot easier. And if you stick with a couple of like, find your ingredients, find your, your things that you're good at. And then you can look like, I, I make this braised short rib thing. That sounds very intimidating. When I make it for people, they think that I'm a fucking Michelin-starred chef. Yeah. It's the easiest thing you could ever make. Yeah. But it took like, yeah, a couple tries to get right. Yeah. You got to have that one go-to. Bro, it's funny because we bought a barbecue years ago because we thought, oh, let's, we'll just barbecue from time to time. Yeah. And that thing just sat there and nobody used it because I was intimidated by it. Yeah. And then one time I got this friend of mine because I spent, I spent my junior year abroad in Italy. Yeah. And there was a friend back there in Italy who was always in this dorm we lived in. He was a great cook. He was always cooking. So he comes to Venice uh, for whatever, a few days with his family. They're staying in some apartment. He hits me up. He's like, you want to come? We're going to be going to the beach, and then I'm going to barbecue. Great. Let's do it. We go upstairs. I take the kids. We go upstairs to his, his little rooftop thing in Venice overlooking the beach, and he's got these steaks, and he's got this chicken, and he gets the grill going. And I'm telling you, within like five minutes, the food was ready. Yeah. And I go, that was easy. And he goes, yeah, just, you know, you just put a little pepper or whatever, whatever, throw it on. And I'm going, God, why, why have I been so afraid of barbecuing? And it's, it's you're intimidated until, until you do it. Absolutely. And, and that's what I'm getting at is like, I feel right now, you know, I run around so much. You know how it is, the life of a comedian. And yeah. 
you know, by day we're trying to develop stuff or doing interviews or whatever, whatever. And by the time I get home, I'm kind of like, I just want to chill and, and relax and what have you. But there are times when, like, again, when I was in Italy that year, I was cooking at night and it was a lot of pastas and stuff. Yeah. But you get the pasta going, you open up that bottle of wine, you just, you got your music going. Hell yeah. My wife, listen, they say you marry the, 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 the woman who reminds you of your mother. My mom never cooked. And really? when I yeah, and when I married my wife, she never she didn't cook. And it wasn't until we had kids that she started cooking. And now my mom as well, uh, later in life has started cooking. So it's just interesting to me because now that my wife cooks, she does a great job. And so she'll put she'll put her podcast on. Yeah. She's listening to her Oprah podcast and she's cooking up a storm and I love it. I love it. We'll be right back. Back to Maz Jobrani. So this is very exciting for me because you're the first Iranian guest that I've had on the show. And, wow. uh, and I didn't see any Iranian anything in your fridge. Yes. Um, now, and I'm not hating you on that. I don't think if, if you looked into my fridge, you probably wouldn't know. I, I do have a big thing of torshi on the I was top. about to say that. Do you have like the, the Persian pickles? Yeah. <laughs> Growing up in a Persian household, I'm surprised that your mom wasn't cooking a lot because every Persian mom seems to be like... Just well, in the kitchen all the time. A couple of comments. First of all, the torshi is interesting because the torshi, for people that don't, that don't know, it's when you get the you you get all these vegetables, you put a vinegar, and and it, and it just it's basically, you know, it's what a pickle. It's pickle. It's, it's a, a pickle. cold pickle though, which is different from American pickles, where they actually heat up the vinegar and then they put the vegetables in. Yeah, we just keep it cold. Yeah. and leave it for years and years. And it's delicious. And you put you can put garlic in there. You could put um, cauliflower. You could put uh, eggplants. All kinds of stuff. Yes, and it really is this sour, you know, vinegary taste that adds flavor to the food that you're eating. Yes. So it's funny you say the torshi because my mom had brought some to our house and it was this big jar that they gave me and it was just sat in the back. Yeah. But what happened is every time I'd eat the Indian food, I'd pull some torshi out as well. Yeah. And so I was mixing these flavors and it was a party, man. I love it. And I ran out. So that's why it's not in the in the picture. But yeah, growing up, in my family, um, we always either had so in Iran. I was only there till I was six years old. But in Iran, we actually had a cook. You know, we we were. My father was a successful businessman, and so there was a guy who was the cook of the house. And my mom never had to learn to cook at that point. Then we come to America, and my grandmother lived with us. She would cook. Then my grandfather started living with us. He would cook. Wow! So they were always cooking Persian food. It was always the base is always rice, as you know, which yeah. is fine when you're in your twenties and you're you know burning uh, your metabolism burns it off in five minutes. Right. Um, but as you get older and you realize, oh wow, all this rice can't be good for you. Um, but but the, you know how it is the Broths are delicious. I mean, Persian food, in my opinion, is one of the best foods in the world. Yeah, um, and, 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 and most misunderstood. It's very different from from other Middle Eastern food. Uh, I, I the the best way I describe it to people who've never had Persian food is imagine Indian food, but substitute herbs for spice. Exactly, it's just not spicy, and that's yeah. what it is. And it's interesting because a lot of people haven't even delved into that world because I don't think we've been here long enough as a culture. Like Japanese food, sushi crossed over. So everybody knows sushi. Indian yeah. food has now crossed over. Persian food has not crossed over. It has in LA, it has in some other places, but there isn't the small, quick, go in, get out. I mean, now there's like that place creation, which I believe was started by an Iranian person because I've seen some Persian-based foods in there, yeah, or Earth Cafe. With Earth Cafe, doesn't have any Persian foods, but uh, uh, I should say Panini Cafe. Panini yeah. Cafe is another Persian-based thing that 
people almost don't even know it's Persian because you go in and you just get rice with barbecue chicken and all that, and you go, this is fantastic. Yeah. But the food is delicious. As a matter of fact, years ago, there was um, an interview being done on NPR about this book. This couple had written a book. It was called Around the World in 80 Diets. And um, the interviewer asked them both, they said, what was the best food? And one of them said, listen, we went all over the world, and my favorite food was Persian food. And because there's pomegranates and there's walnuts, yeah. you know, fesenjun is one of the best things in the world. Oh, yeah. Fesenjun is, a, is a, basically a pomegranate stew, <laughs> which initially was, is, is meant to be with duck, by the way. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, wow. uh, which makes a lot of sense because duck usually goes well with sweet flavors. Uh-huh. But I think here it's mostly with chicken. Yeah. Um, which is and it's super delicious. Doesn't look good. <laughs> Doesn't look good. It's brown. It's brown. Yeah. And it's mushy. Yeah. Um, but you put it over rice and it's magical. Amazing. Our food is really amazing. But what happens is a couple of things. First of all, because it's usually based with rice at the bottom of it, it's a heavy meal, right? So yeah. again, um, like I said, we're you know we got two kids. They're young. My wife's cooking and you know trying to keep it fresh and what have you. So. And she doesn't really cook Persian food, but a lot of it is kind of like she'll cook, she'll get these jars of stuff that are made at Erwan that are healthy and just right. put it into it. Um, but once in a while, what'll happen is I will go to a Persian restaurant and I'll get, like if, if I had just been to the Persian restaurant recently, you would have seen those styrofoam to go right, right. containers they give you, right? Yeah. And and my kids love Persian food. That's probably their main tie to being Iranian right. is they That's love Tadig. Cool. Tadig. Tadig is a is I think the best gateway drug to Persian food. Yeah, it's basically uh, the bottom of the pot. It actually means bottom of the pot in Farsi. And what happens is when you're making Persian rice, you put in a boatload of either oil or butter. Yeah, uh, which is that's also interesting to me is that there's a lot of uh, variations within like the religious communities of Iran. Like there's Persian Jewish cuisine, there's Persian Muslim cuisine. Yeah. And so Persian Muslims typically will do theirs with butter, mm-hmm. uh, and then Persian Jews will usually do it with oil. But uh, you create this crust mm. from the weight of the rice and also just the the slow cooking in the oil of the bottom of the rice, and it becomes this hard, delicious heaven. Of rice and oil. Of rice and oil. Yeah. And it's different from, because everyone, like, I'll always tell Korean friends, they'll be like, yeah, we have the same thing. I'm like, no, bro. No. Not even close. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, I don't even, it's like, it's this savory rice cracker crumble rice krispies treat. <laughs> that is- it's great. It's really it's it's delicious. And then again, if you take like a fesenjun or a gourmet sabzi or one of these broths, yeah, one of these and stews, yeah. stews, and put it on top, it it's softens just, it up a little. It's another world, man. Oh man, yeah. it's the best flavor ever. When you go, you know, you're you're Persian royalty. Yes. When you go to Persian restaurants, do people lose their shit? Yeah, I get, you know, it's funny because uh, a friend of mine, Sam Tripoli, used to say, I'm the Persian Elvis, otherwise known as Pelvis. Because he goes, whenever you do shows, all the Persians show up. And so I was the first Iranian-American comedian out the gate. And I think I started to do well. And so people were excited and they would come out and all that stuff. So it's amazing how well-known I am in the Iranian community and how I go to some other communities that have no idea who I am at all. And it's an interesting uh, um, um, uh, uh, dichotomy. Yeah. Because 
on the one hand, you're like, oh, this is great. I'm getting free tadig and and whatever. You know, they always throw in a free appetizer or something. Yeah, yeah. And then you go to somewhere else and they're like, uh, you know, they're ignoring you. The waiter's not even paying attention. Excuse me, can I order? Oh, yeah, we'll be there. We'll, 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 whatever, sir. Just just wait your turn. I'm like, oh, do you know who I am, man? I'm pelvis. They treat me like a god at flame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's... um. It's it's nice. There's there's some good Persian restaurants. Uh, I you know I love like uh, Daria on the west side. There's Shamshiri, um, and then and then in Glendale. Actually, I'm gonna go. A friend of mine's in town, uh, and I'm gonna go after at Rafi's place. That's supposed to be the. I, you know, I've never been. Oh, it's delicious. And I hear that it's incredible. The, first of all, they have a great outdoor gardeny sitting area. Yeah, and then they give you these. Big, big portions of rice, and the meats are delicious. I'm going to substitute uh, salad. salad for the rice because, again, I'm trying to be... Kebab, you know, Persian kebab places literally give you like a shovel of rice. Oh, it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I think I think rice must be... I'm guessing Trump has not put tariffs on rice. <laughs> it must be very cheap because yeah, they give every, you a boatload of rice. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, it's, Persian kebabs are probably... If you go to a Persian restaurant, kebab is what they usually lead with. Which yes, um, the difference between a Persian kebab and most other kebabs is uh, a the uh, the kubide, which is the the ground meat, uh, w- is mixed with chopped up onions. Mm, so yes. you're supposed to basically slow cook it so that the onions car- caramelize inside the meat. Yes, which is fucking genius, delicious. Which is also why you don't really get kebab medium rare or anything like that. It has to kind of cook through. Yeah. Um, but uh, the other thing that we have a lot in a lot of our cuisine is turmeric, yes. which like the rest of the world is just catching on to now. And like, yeah. have you heard of turmeric? I'm like, motherfucker, yeah. I was breastfeeding turmeric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that also turmeric and saffron. 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 Oh, yeah. That yellow color, bro. <laughs> saffron is, I think, the most expensive food in the world, like pound for pound. It sure is. As a matter of fact, in some of these stores, like your um, uh, your uh, um, Elot markets and these. Persian markets. I, I I'm told. My friend was saying that there's. If you want saffron, there's a guy you got to go to. There's a separate area. Yeah, there he's is. got like saffron in his jacket. <laughs> like he, you know, because because he they don't want people jacking the saffron. It's so true. Yeah. There is. There's a little separate side area in Elon Market, and the guy's got like the expensive stuff. Yeah. Um. But saffron, it's crazy because like you need to like harvest like a thousand flowers for like one thread of saffron yeah yeah um it's a delicious flavor though which also i think here's the problem we don't have our david chang there hasn't been the persian young chef right who's taking persian flavors and like just like throwing them uh, on on its head and like and upping them to like farm to table well there's that girl i forget what her her name is but it was it was a netflix series it was called like fire yeah you know whatever it was you know that girl's an iran young iranian american and my kids were watching that show with my wife unbeknownst to me they were watching and they were loving it and she would do i think it was like fire and oil i forget what it was called yeah Uh, and that's it. Salt, fat, acid, heat. And she did a thing with uh, with Tadig because she was talking about how I think, because I, I watched that episode, I think she was saying how when you, and, and I never thought of this, it just blew my mind, but it was so easy, such an easy thing. She goes, when you heat something up, the flavors and the textures obviously change. So she was saying even like bread. She goes, if you just eat bread, it's one flavor, but if you toast it, yeah. it's a whole other flavor. That's why, uh, for example, avocado toast, if you just put it on, untoasted bread you're like Ugh. but when you put it on toasted bread you're like mm. yeah so the same thing with tadig she was doing the thing with tadig going look when you burn this rice at the bottom or cook it to where well, it's crisp whole other flavor 
And I go, that's so true. So she's kind of an up and comer in that what the person you're looking for. She is. A, she is a little bit. There's this. There's this other young dude from New York who's mm-hmm. got an Instagram. It's like Moosh M O O S H. Okay. Means he's mouse, like, ma- which means mouse. Uh-huh. He's doing like meals at uh, at craft with like Tom Colicchio. Okay, and they're doing like they're starting to do like fine dining Persian things, which I'm I saw, it. which like looked like really really interesting. Um, and then there's that there's the old school one. Do you know that her name is like she wrote that book? Like the I think the best Persian cookbook out there is this. It's called New Food of Life, and her name is Najmia Batman. Batman Gilich. Yeah, I know her well. Yeah, Do you my, really? yeah, my dad knew her family, and she's great. She's um, she's an amazing person. She's very. She's like the grand dame of Persian cuisine. She's very progressive. Her kids are um, they're the the guys from Vampire Weekend. One of them was um. The guy from Vampire Wiki, the other one's a director. Um, no way. Zal, uh, Badman and uh, I forget the other one's name, but they're a very progressive family. And she's amazing. So when I was in, so they live in DC. Yes. And again, when I was in DC, and my wife is really in, into this world of cooking and stuff, um, <clears throat> Najmed did a thing where I don't know if she still does it or not. People can look it up. She was doing a thing where I think it was, um, I don't know how often she does it, but she was doing a cooking class slash afternoon at her house yeah so my wife went and she said she loved it oh she's awesome yeah she's awesome and uh, listen and her books are fantastic but, if, if anyone's looking for a persian cookbook new food of life is my f- go-to yeah i would say listen i would tell people just find a persian restaurant in your town and go to it because we, the foods are really good and yeah. the people are nice and, and you're gonna enjoy it order the kebabs order the rice Order the Hormisabzi, Fesinjun. Order the uh, the yogurts. We have different types of yogurts. Some with shallots, some with uh, cucumbers. Yeah. Get into that world, and then, as you said, um, dive into the books. Dive into you know. There's a lot of people now because I think again, I think when immigrants come, at first they just go, "This is our thing. This is how we do it." Yeah. But then the next generation starts going, "No, we're going to mix it up." There's a guy out of. DC, I was just talking about him. He's got a restaurant called Amuz, which means uncles. Okay. And he took Persian res- per- Persian food. His name's Sebastian. And he took Persian food. And he really kind of, again, turned it on his head, as you said. So, for example, we put our broths, the korma sabzi, the stews, on top of rice. Well, he said, I'm going to take it. And I'm going to, instead of putting it on rice, I'm going to take a, um, I think it was like a pumpkin or something. He cut it in half. Not a big pumpkin, like one of these smaller pumpkins. Cut it in half. And there's a center of it, and he, and he dug the center out and put the stew in there. Oh, wow. So now the stew is warm, and the pumpkin's been cooked, so you dig into that, oh, and you wow. eat it together, and it's another world. How cool. Cool, right? I love that. Yeah, man. That's a good shout-out. Now, you tr- you tour all over the world. Yes. And you uh, you do a lot of shows in the Middle East. Yeah. Um, I'm a, I'm one, There must be like a crazy... like I imagine like when you go to like Dubai, they pick you up, and then like you, you get to the hotel and they have like a whole lamb roasting or something <laughs> insane <laughs> well you know i i first went to the middle east in 2007 with the access of evil comedy tour yes. it was me ahmed ahmed aaron cater and it was interesting because back then again we were the first guys out of the gate doing comedy from our background so that access to evil comedy tour came out on comedy central uh youtube was just taking off the dvds were selling people started and it was it was you know during the bush administration so a lot of middle easterners and muslims and stuff were waiting for someone with this voice to sh- to speak for them and yeah. we kind of were speaking for them absolutely so when we first went to the middle east you know we were doing well in america but we landed in the middle east 
And I felt like over the Atlantic, we became the Beatles. Because we got there and the guys were like, listen, we have a press conference set up. And I'm going, press conference? Who's coming to a press conference? We go to some hotel in Dubai. There's 20 different news outlets covering this. You know, what's it like being a Middle Easterner in America now doing jokes under the Bush, uh, the Bush administration, yada, yada? And I was like, whoa. And then we did something like 27 sold out shows in 30 days in five countries. Wow. So we were in Beirut, you know, Lebanon. We were in Kuwait. We were in Egypt. We were in, in Dubai. Uh, we were in Jordan. King of Jordan showed up at our show. Get out. Got invited to the palace. I mean, it was amazing. Wow. So ever since then. What we was at the palace? When you go into the palace, did they, what was the food wise? Did they, was no, there tea? I think it was just tea. Was it a tea situation? It was tea, yeah. It was actually kind of interesting because the lead up to the palace, first of all, the Jordanian, Jordan is one of the poorer countries in the region because they don't have oil. Right. So it wasn't so super lavish. It was just like all these checkpoints leading into the, you know, into the palace. Right. And the king himself is Western educated, super cool. And he sat down with us and talked to us and, and he was nice. It was interesting because the night before when he'd come to the show, um, his family, some of his family was with him and his brother was with him as well. And whenever we would do jokes about George Bush, the brother was falling out of his seat laughing and the king was very reserved. And right. so we asked him afterwards, we go, did you not like the jokes? He goes, no, the truth is, I can't laugh as hard as my brother because if I do, it becomes a world event that the King of Jordan was laughing at George Bush. Absolutely. So he was very sweet, and um, and and uh, yeah, that was that. It was just it, things like that would happen, you know. Because when yeah. you go to these places, first of all, it was we were the first group of American-based comedians who went to perform for the people of the Middle East not for the American troops who are in the Middle East. Right, right, right. So I think that was appreciated. And again, we were it was a big fish in a small pond. Nobody was going there at that point. Now a lot more comedians are going and have gone. Oh yeah. And you got to think about this. You know, when you're in LA and you go to perform at the clubs, we're very jaded. New York, LA, they get to see Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, you know, Jerry Seinfeld will pop in, whatever, whatever, whatever. And there's a ton of entertainment. And the fact is half the people are in entertainment. Um, but when you go to these other cities, I mean, when you go to like, I don't know, when you go to Cleveland, you're you're the big event of the, the year. Draw, yeah. yeah, for the year. And so similarly, when you go to the Middle East, you're a big event. And so I hadn't been back, you know, after after the Axis of Evil, I would go every like year to two, I would go and it was because I, you know, there's so many other places I go that, that you got, you know, it takes time to come up with new material, get back. So I just went back this la past December for the first time after two, three years. And it was some of the welcomes I got. It like when crazy. I when I went when I went to Doha, I was thinking of the W Hotel. The show was at the W Hotel. And I walked in and they were playing music. The staff was out to welcome me. They had these like images of me on a stick. So they all had my face above their face. Oh my God, how creepy. <laughs> it was crazy. And I was like, whoa, you know? And they were saying one of the things they try to do is whenever they have any like artist staying there, their whole thing at the W is, you know, they say anything, anytime, you know, yes. whatever you want. And so they were saying, you know, we, we want to welcome you. So, cause after I came, some singer came and they were doing the same thing. I go, hey, what's up? <laughs> But 
you know, I will Just swap out the sticks with his yeah. face on them. Yeah, but I, I do. I did peek out, and and my I had more people welcome me than, All the, right. than the singer. Nobody nice. cared about the singer. Yeah, yeah. yeah nice. So yeah, you are. You 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 do get treated in a very VIP fashion. I mean, I think I saw something on your Instagram where you went to like a club and like they had your name in lights, like "Welcome, Mazda Bunny," but they spelled your name weird or something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was <laughs> wait. That was that was a while ago. You talking about the one that was a while back, or was yeah. that recent? No, it was a while back. Yeah, that was at. I think that was in. In Beirut, if I'm not mistaken, it's it's always funny to me when they, you know, you think it, it starts to get to your ego a little bit. You're like, oh wow, I am well known, and then like they misspell your name. You go, oh, I'm not that well known. <laughs> and yeah, that was one of those things at the club. That's the other thing. Once in a while, you beat the club. So the other thing you run into is there are some people that are hardcore fans in these countries, and there's yeah. some people who have no idea who you are. Right. So there was a couple of times where I'd be at the club, and like the hardcore fans are the people who are running the club. They'd be like, dude, come on, you got to go do a you know, I'm here and da 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 yeah, the know. DJ booth. Yeah, like I'm Jay-Z. And I'm like, what's up, everybody? And half the crowd's like, who is this guy? More from Maz in a moment. But first, a fun subset of Persian pickles is something called sir torshi. It is pickled garlic and it is otherworldly delicious and very easy to make. Take two cups of vinegar, a handful of dried barberries you can get at a Persian market, a little honey, a little salt, and some thyme sprigs. Boil them up. Pour over as many whole heads of garlic you can fit in a jar and close. Leave it in the garage for as long as you want. It will last your whole lonely life. Because while yes, it is delicious, nobody will ever want to be around you because you will smell awful. But trust me, dying alone is well worth this delicious flavor. Okay, back to the show. So we're going to get to our, our uh, rapid fire questions. Yes. Which there's no rush to do. I don't know why we call them rapid fire mm-hmm, questions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just take your take your time. Sure. Slow simmer. Yes. Um, what is your earliest food memory? Earliest food memory. Oh, you know what they used to do as a kid? Somebody pointed this out to me and it's so funny and so true. So again, we're going back to Persian food. Right. Yeah. As a kid, you know, our breakfasts were it's the it's the the naan, the bread, the 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 soft uh, like a lavash or something. Was it sangak? I think it was sangak. Okay. Sangak, yeah. Sangak. So sangak is a is a bread that uh, is cooked over little tiny rocks. Yes, which are which means sangak means little yeah. rock, right? Yeah. And it's it's the perfect ratio of crispy and soft that you yes. can get in a bread. I think it's my favorite bread. It's ever. so good. That and barbari are beautiful. Yeah. And so what you would Persian do is, breads very underrated. Like, dude, like better than French breads. Like, oh, it's amazing. It's they're unreal because they get that hot like fire oven. And you would go back in the day. I remember you, they would go to these places that sold it, and they would just go get it fresh out of the oven. Yeah. Oh. So Amazing. as a kid, you know, I'm four now, maybe five at tops, and they would give you that with the Persian cheese, which is really like a feta goat cheese kind of a thing, nice yeah. and sour. Um, a lot of times you'd add to that either honey or the cherry um, uh, 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 jam, uh, gel, you know, jam, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Delicious sour cherry jam. Mm. Yes. So you got the you got the sour flavor going. You got the bread, the, and then they would take. This is the part that somebody pointed out. We were four years old. They take tea, like a Darjeeling type tea. So it's obviously very caffeinated. Yeah. And they would pour like an inch of sugar at the bottom of it. I don't know if they did it or we did it, but that sweetness would counter that sourness. And it was just heaven. And then they would send you off to school. 
on a sugar high, fully caffeinated. I mean, nowadays I look at it, my kids, like my kids will be like, hey, can I get a sip of Snapple? I don't even drink Snapple myself. Can I get a sip of your Snapple once in a while? I go, no, no, it's got, it's got caffeine. You can't have it. Or can I have a sip of your Arnold Palmer? No, no, it's got caffeine. You know, meanwhile. You're drinking espresso. Holy moly. I mean, what the hell did they do to us? That's amazing. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, what is your death row meal? Last meal. You committed a crime. You're going, you're going to be killed. I mean, listen, I love, I love, you know, a lot of foods. Um, I, I recently was in Japan with my family and we ended up in Kyoto. I mean, the Wagyu beef, oh. dude, we were at this restaurant and it was a great restaurant. We get all kinds of different foods. And I look at the thing and it said some, it was, the number was crazy. It was like, I don't know, it was like a four ounce or, or four ounce or five ounce or something for like 150 bucks, some crazy dollar amount. Exactly, yeah. And there was like a six ounce option for like 200 bucks. And I was like, that's too much. But I go, we're here. Well, let's try the four ounce, you for know, 150. 150. And it was Wagyu beef A5. I come, Do you know what that is? Yeah, that's like the shoulder or something. The guy explained to me, he goes, that's the, the, the area of the, of, the, of the cow that's so tender and it was like, you know, the M&M's commercial melts in your mouth, not in your hands. Yeah. This thing melted in my mouth. And I told the kids, I go, guys, I just want you to know from now on, Father's Day, birthday, just get me Wagyu beef A5. That's all I want. <laughs> it's, it's a tall order for kids that are, well, how old are they? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they don't know what the hell they're doing. They don't have the money. Even, you know, on, yeah, yeah uh, Japanese meat is something crazy. Woo! It's got like more fat than meat on it. The Japanese are just very, they're perfectionists. Yeah, they You are. see it in the way they dress. One thing I really enjoyed in Japan, and it's very opposite of what we do in America, and I probably am a victim of it too, is in America, we're just casual, yeah. right? You yeah. could be at a business meeting or something. You could be at a meeting where you're pitching a TV show. There's a guy in shorts. Yeah. And you're going, this guy's the executive? Yeah, bro. Here I am, man. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But in Japan? No, they take it seriously. Dude, they're going, they're, the, guy, the guy's going down the street to get milk. He's in a three-piece suit. And he's <laughs> taking the kid. The kid's in a three-piece suit. Absolutely. I mean, they dress nicely. They're very perfectionists. It's a magical place. And they bring that to their food, man. Absolutely. They, they have more pride in their food than I think anyone in the world. Bro, other level. I mean, and I went from the Wagyu beef all the way to my wife was finding these places. She goes to Goop. And Goop recommends when you go to places, different places, yeah. it tells you the places to go. Yeah. She found two other things that were interesting. Here's a pro tip I got from a few people that went to Japan. They go, don't eat the Japanese food only. Go have Italian food. Yes. I was just going to say, they're such perfectionists. Their pizza... Ridiculous. ...was the best pizza I've ever had in my life. Like Ridiculous. It was better than Italy because that's what it is. They, they are such perfectionists. That when Jiro starts dreaming about pizza, yeah. <laughs> Luigi's out of a job. Absolutely. The ingredients were amazing. And I keep forgetting the name of the place. I think it was like Napolitano. I forget what it was. There was a place in Tokyo. Yeah. A little hole in the wall. Yeah. And it's, we... Sh you know what I'm the, talking about? What, is it the white marble? Was there a white marble? No, there wasn't. It was just a small... Like, we thought we were in the wrong place when we first went. Yeah. And 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 then we went and we started eating. And we're like, this is delicious. And I thought, is this a, is this a touristy thing? And I look over and there's a Japanese woman with, I think, like a Swedish guy. And we ask them to go, we go, are you guys visiting? They go, no, we live down the street. And they go, this is one of the best places it's in all of Tokyo. One of the big differences with Japanese pizza is what they do is they take a handful of salt and they throw it in the oven 
before they put the pizza dough on top. Whoa. Then they put the pizza dough on top. And then they take a they shovel a little bit of wood chips yeah. and throw that in the oven to get extra smoke. Wow. So it's extra salty crust and extra smoky on the pizza. It's so magical. And so only they could figure that shit out. Yeah. And then we did, you know, they and I've and I I don't know if you've ever done this, but that place in Kyoto that we went uh, it was at the hotel, and they did a. We got a. I think it was a four cheese pizza or a gargan. It has some gargonzola or something, and uh-huh. then they brought it with honey. Oh, interesting. And I'm going, what's with the honey? They go, just put it on the pizza. Ooh, wow, boy, I tell you, man, that was other level. <laughs> that shit. sounds amazing. Other level, that man. Sounds amazing. Oh god, because gorgonzola is very strong. You'd need something a little sweet to cut it. Put a little honey in there. Put a little honey. Put a little honey. What is your best high end meal that you've ever had? Gosh, my one of my best high end meals that I remember was at uh, Giorgio Baldi's over there in Malibu. I've never been, or in Santa Monica, wherever that location is. It's a again, it's a small restaurant. Okay, it's going to be pricey, and it was funny because yeah, you're going to go, you're going to go do it right, you yeah, know. So absolutely. get that bottle of wine that's going to go with whatever you're having, and it was very funny because they do a lot of truffle. Yes, I love truffle. Oh, what's and they would come, love? yeah, and they come to you and they'd be like, okay, um, so you'd be like, so it literally, it, it'll, it'll, you know, let's say you get, you're going to get the spaghettini appetizer for the four of you, and they'd be like, well, the spaghettini appetizer, and then you look at the menu and it's like, okay, so um, without the truffle, it's going to be twenty dollars. If you like the truffle on it, it's going to be uh, $320. You're like, give me the truffle, man. Give me the truffle. And oh, my God, melt in your mouth again. I mean, you know, again, when the bill came, it was one of those things where the bill comes and you go, yeah, I I think this is right. You know, it's it's an expensive meal, but you go, well-deserved. Absolutely. Well-deserved. That's a good one. That's like one time, I'll tell you, this is a very different story, is I went to... um, I was I, I was doing an event in San Francisco at the Ritz Carlton, uh-huh. and it was amazing because uh, I took a cab to the from the airport to the to the Ritz, and I pull up, and as soon as I pull up, the the the, the doorman or whatever the the guy at the front opens, opens the door for me, grabs my suitcase, comes over, welcome, Mister Jobrani. I guess I don't know if he looked at my suitcase. I don't know how just right away, welcome, Mister Jobrani. And it's not that he knew me; it wasn't a fan. Yeah, yeah. It was just like he was ready. And then he he took the suitcase in. As I'm going in, there's a lady standing there, and I walk towards her. Welcome, Mr. Jordan. Can I take you to the check-in? Takes me to the check-in. Welcome. Just constantly welcome. They were they were they were. I think they were like radioing into each other, but it was all because that's how they roll. Like you could be. I don't care who you are. You could be Mr. Johnson. Yeah. They're ready for you. Yeah. And as I was going to go do the show, I stopped at the 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 bar downstairs. I said, like, "Can I get an espresso?" They go, "Sure." And then they give me the bill, and it was like you know twelve bucks or so, some crazy amount for an espresso. Yeah, I didn't blink. I was like, yes, with service like this, Absolutely. your espressos should be twelve dollars at least. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The latte art had your name on it, Mr. Jobrani. I mean, it was amazing, man. <laughs> that is fantastic. Uh, what about your best low end meal? Like, what is your <sighs> best low low end, end meal. guilty pleasure? I mean, does does that sweet fin work? As yes, that? I mean, it absolutely. Kind of, it's a because it's a healthy choice in terms of like at least I feel it's healthy. Yeah, and you go in there and you get the different stuff in your bowl, and it's like you know the black rice with the you know and and, and what's great is because anyone that goes to sweet fin again, you get a little intimidated because they give you so many options. Yes, so you go in and be like, yeah, let me get the uh, 
tuna fish with the black rice with the whatever the dried onions and then they go well you have four more choices <laughs> from the left side and three more choices from the right side i'm like right. I, you're like you does know. zucchini go with yeah. <laughs> with fish I'm like what is ponzu what is is that a scheme is it a ponzu scheme no <laughs> So what I've liked recently is they've done their they've got a, a signature bowl that some celebrity chef or somebody has come up with. Oh, fun! So I'll always just go. Give me the signature bowl. Yeah, I get too intimidated with those places. Yeah. I always have to go with one of the standards. Yeah, because I don't know what's gonna pair well. I know, man. Just you know, <laughs> give it to me. And by the way, whatever you give me, I'm gonna be pouring a bunch of uh, soy sauce on there. <laughs> yes. So don't worry. It's about all it. gonna taste like soy sauce yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah, uh, I'm googling Italian restaurant in Tokyo because I want to give that suggestion. It is something that Politano. Uh, I'm just I I, I I hate mentioning stuff and then saying and not being able to uh, give that recommendation. Give the shout out. Yeah, I'm gonna text my wife. She might know it because she she remembers it. Um, and if it comes, we just we'll we'll throw it in. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a favorite drunk food? Favorite drunk food. Oh my god. Jeez. Well, I tend to whenever I get buzzed i'm not gonna say drunk buzzed yeah like two glasses of wine in i've never seen you drunk i've seen you i i, I i've i've had wine with you at the laugh factory but yeah that's just because jamie just pours us huge <laughs> glasses of wine jamie masada the laugh factory has no idea how to pour wine <laughs> he thinks it's a slurpee he really does a bad job for because he's iranian he's a persian jew he does a bad job of um of changing the stereotype of Middle Eastern or, or whatever you want to call it, in that he, I think he thinks wine should be poured like a uh, super size Slurpee at Seven yeah. Eleven. Yeah, yeah. You got it. I told him the other day. I go, you got to lower the your pour, bro. And he has these huge glasses too. Huge glasses. I go, listen. I go, if you pour it, you take your time, you enjoy it. Two glasses in, you're like, this is pretty good. I'm feeling the buzz. And then I go to my, you know, chocolates. I love chocolate. Yeah. So you were asking me what's my favorite drunk food. It really, if I can, if I can just have a nice, you know, and I, I'm trying to go dark chocolates again because of the health type yeah, stuff. Yeah. But, but any kind of chocolate will do. You know, oh God, chocolate almonds are delicious. You ever, Interesting. You ever had chocolate almonds? Of course. Other level. What kind of monster do I look like? Dude, it's the worst thing. I've, I try, because I, whenever I buy it, I know I'm going to eat it because my wife tries to... Be, have the kids eat pretty healthy. Yeah. My son doesn't like nuts, so he won't have the chocolate almonds. My daughter might get in there a little bit. My wife might take a handful, but the rest of that little box is me. Interesting. It's crazy. Wait, what is it like? Do you guys have bougie chocolate almonds or just basic chocolate almonds? Or are they Erwan chocolate? Whatever Erwan's selling, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or, 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 or Whole Foods, you know? So are they, is it an almond that's covered in chocolate we're talking? Yeah. Okay, yeah. You realize it's all about texture, right? It's all about Absolutely. getting the right texture combination. Well, that's why I think peanut M&Ms are the perfect chocolatey, nutty. I think ratio-wise yeah. of chocolate to nut to candy coating. Oh, yeah, yeah. Holy great. shit. Well, you know, it's funny because I don't get stoned that much, but the few times, like, there's been a... Like, <laughs> the few times you've hung out with Amir K. Yeah, yeah. No more, <laughs> but, but recently, like, if I was... I remember I was in Charlotte doing shows, and the and the uh, it wasn't Amir K. It was another comedian. He had some weed, and like, we, you know, had some, and... And uh, and I went back to the hotel, and it was like a it was like a Hilton or something. So it was one of those where they just have the small little um, uh, gift shop on the side. Uh -huh. And it was one of those things where I was like, I was in a good place with it, and I go, yeah, let me get the peanut M and M's and the Pringles. And I was like, I'm gonna go upstairs and just have like a little taste test match, you know? <laughs> wow. And and the and the chocolate covered pretzels. 
Ooh. Those are all great Those are great. All, all great. Yeah. A regular pretzel I can't do, but throw some chocolate on it, mm. it's perfect. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite hangover food? A favorite, go-to? I mean, favorite hangover food really sh- should be like a breakfast burrito or something. Yeah. You really need a heavy... You know, I haven't had a hangover, thank God, in a long time. Yeah. Because again, like I said, as you get more o- older and older, you get more mature with the way you drink. You know, again, I'll, I rarely now go to after parties. Yeah. You know, it used to be after the show, we're like announcing to people, we're going to be at such and such, let's go party. And then you go there. But the once in a while, if I end up at a at some bar or something after a show and there's some fans from the show, and if they're younger, a lot of times they come over, we want to buy you a shot. I go, listen, I'm 47. I don't do shots. Yeah. I go, you take that tequila, you pour it in with some uh, nice ice, preferably a cube of ice, a nice big cube. One big cube. One big cube, and I'll sip it. And you guys can shoot it. And I'll sip it because what I'm going to do is I'm going to sip that. And then eventually, once I've had a couple of those, I'm going to sip some water. And tomorrow I'm going to wake up and feel good about myself. And they're just staring at you mouth agape like, yeah. so, uh, so yeah. you're not taking the shot? Yeah, I'm not taking the shot. I've literally told people, I'm like, they'll stand there like, I'm not taking the shot. I go, peer pressure doesn't work on me anymore. If you said yes to everything like that, you'd, you'd I mean, that's why that's why comedians die. <laughs> that's why comedians die. But also it's like, I have no, listen, my, I think your metabolism slows down, yeah. your testosterone lowers. So I'm not that crazy guy anymore where- yeah, You're married with kids. Yeah, like when you were younger, you might be like, let's see where this takes us let's go for it now you're like nah you know i'd like to just have a couple drinks maybe if i if i if i don't finish the drink i might take it upstairs and finish it watching colbert because i love watching his monologues because i get the world's uh the day's news that way right i go listen if we do this if we do this in a timely fashion i could be upstairs by 11 35 when it starts i'm loving i'm just imagining you explaining this to these kids as they're like (laughs) you're like and then colbert starts at 11 30 so i have to be up for that yeah (laughs) and then and then if i luck out and i time it right i watch his monologue and then i can turn on to espn and watch the top 10 you know plays of the day yeah and i'm a happy man while you sip your casamigos casamigos or whatever you give me reposado i'm happy to go do you have a favorite celebrity celebrity chef and i mean that in a broad sense it could be like a favorite famous chef a favorite food personality the truth is i never got into the celebrity chefs i just i mean again my kids watch a lot of these shows and stuff my wife likes them i never got into it as much but i will say i've gone places where i've go oh wow that's great you know what amazing food and you know look ultimately sure if i had the one guy i know is anthony bourdain yeah who you know god rest his soul um he even did that episode in iran which i loved him for oh yeah he put he that was the most humanizing thing on iran that i've ever seen amazing and i remember he said it in there he goes i've traveled the world Never thought that the people of Iran would be the most hospitable people. Yeah. And we really are. I mean, it's in our culture. It's a lot of people don't know that about us. A lot of Americans don't know the difference. You know, they they when they killed this guy Soleimani, I heard some guy talking about he's like, Yeah, you know, you know, they got the ISIS guy, now they got this guy, they're getting rid of all these terrorists. And I'm going, Okay, yes, the IRGC in Iran has been has been uh, um, uh, uh, deemed a terrorist organization by the American government. Right. However, this guy Soleimani was a general in the Amer- Iranian army, and the Iranian government doesn't represent the people of Iran in many ways. The people of Iran are very different from their government. And you've got to explain that all it, the time. There's so much unraveling to do. So much unraveling. And to let people know that Iranians love American and Western culture. Yeah. Iranians are very educated. Iranians are very hospitable, as I said. I don't yeah. care who they are. You show up, they're going to be, I mean, people go, well, death, they, they say death to America. I go, they're not thinking about you that much. I think America thinks it's this like, 
hot piece of ass that the rest of the world is thinking about every day. Right. The truth is, no, the rest of the world is just trying to, you know, go find money for that delicious bread, right. feed their family, and maybe watch some sports at the end of the night or whatever they want to watch. Yeah. And every once in a while, an American news channel will show up and point a camera at them and they go, oh, uh, death to America, you know? <laughs> right, and that's they, it. They have to say it. Yeah, they have to say it. That's kind of it. I saw one time, I saw Ted Koppel went back to Iran. He was like at, outside some Friday prayer mosque thing and he's like i'm back in iran after many years covering iran and literally these dudes were walking past him and i saw the the, the surprise when they saw the cameras and then i think they were like oh and they look at each other like uh, okay uh that to america that to, like very <laughs> almost calmly right, like on three <laughs> on three and i'm going dude so yeah i think i think americans need to understand that First of all, the countries in the Middle East are very different. Yeah, the people of Iran are are amazing people. Yeah, and so for the what, mo- and for the most part, secular. Very secular. They don't like religion because of the way that this totalitarian state has, you yeah. know, is taken away their human rights. Yeah. So, I what Bourdain did, I I I got to give it up to him for that. Yeah, yeah. agreed, agreed, a hundred percent. What is your desert island food? You're trapped on a desert island. There's one thing you can eat for the rest <laughs> of your life. Gorma sabzi. Gorma sabzi. That's oh, a great one. It's delicious. Gorma sabzi is one of those Persian stews we were talking about, and it's an herb stew. So a lot of stews and European stews have like a chicken base, chicken broth base, or a beef broth base. Persians, Persians don't do that, which yeah. I kind of like because it lets all the ingredients speak for themselves. Yeah. But this one is just herb-based. Yeah. Like five different kinds of herbs, more herbs than you can imagine, yeah. chopped up. Uh, and the secret herb, which is uh, Chambelile, which yes. is fenugreek. Nice. Which is something that seeps into your pores Ugh. when you eat it. I actually think that, like, um, uh, that I have had times when I've went, when I've had like body odor. Yeah. I think it smells like korma sabzi. Yeah. I think every Persian has that. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. I think is you've eaten it so much throughout your life. Yeah. That it just sticks with you. Absolutely. And it's got a little bit of sourness. <laughs> And it's got the beans, you know, and it's just delicious. It's the best. Yeah. Um, what is there a food that you can't stand eating? I don't like quiche. The really texture of quiche just, I mean, like I can eat eggs, omelets, you know, scrambled, whatever, whatever. But when you put that quiche with like the base and all that, I just, I've always, I, I see quiche and I go, no thanks. Interesting. Yeah. I see where you're coming from. Yeah. And I think I might know the solution. Yes. Here's the issue. Yeah. Most quiche that we have uh-huh. has been sitting on that counter for a while. Yes. So that crust gets really mealy and yeah. gross. Yeah. Uh, so the only solution is like a fresh quiche, which when the hell are you going to get a fresh quiche? For that and or maybe if they maybe overcooked the top and made the top kind of a harder, crispier texture, then maybe I would see it almost like a cake. Yeah. But I just, that, that soft... Uh, I just, you know, I, I'm with you. The crust always comes out a little weird. Are you a fan of cuckoo? I love cuckoo. Yeah, so cuckoo is a Persian frittata, basically. Yeah. Again, yeah. chock full of herbs yeah. and whatever vegetable you have, and slow cooked until it collapses. Because a quiche, you cook a lot faster. Yeah. But a cuckoo, it just collapses into like just like a thick kind of egg custardy. Yeah, and that's goodness. another one where we would eat with the breads and stuff. You yeah. know, the other thing that I don't like is liver. You've had you know, the Persians sometimes will in I their barbecues that put some liver in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really nasty. The aftertaste of liver is disgusting. I love it. Really? I can't get enough of it. No way. That iron tinniness. Oh, god, I hate it. Give it to me. Oh, no thank you. <laughs> so, a uh liver quiche would be <laughs> That would be like just torture. <laughs> yeah, get me out of here. I couldn't handle that. 
Um, last question. This is my favorite question because yes. I like to I like to end on a on a furious negative note. What is and you can have one or multiple. Yes. Your restaurant pet peeve. Restaurant pet peeve. Oh gosh. Well, number one is when the wait staff ignores you. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm like, you know, I'm here uh, to to spend my money. Absolutely. And so, even if they come by and go, "Hey, I'll be right with you," or "I got to do such and such," I'll be there. Just just acknowledge, acknowledge me. my existence. The worst is when you, and then and then the, it's the weirdest thing when you're looking at them and they're kind of looking everywhere but you. Yeah. And you're going, are they intentionally doing that or are they just so zoned into whatever they're doing? <laughs> so the opposite is, you know, when you have a a wait staff who's just warm and there. I just had drinks with a friend of mine and um, this waitress was so good because we ordered some, you know, wine and uh, she was really going out of her way to go, well, listen, before I bring you that would you like to taste these others so just make sure like she was really doing a good job yes and i said wow i feel like she's on it so number one is what about the opposite though when they're over overly like i can't stand the the waiter who's like just too jovial and like hanging out with you like and just checking on you too much yeah the checking on you too much is like they got to read the room a little bit right so so if you're in the middle of a story and they interrupt that's like you know and i've seen some waiters be very good with that like they come and they see it and they walk away and it's funny because I've been in conversations before, and I'm starving. Yeah, and this person keeps talking, and I want the waiter to come in and be like, "Are you guys ready?" But they don't come in. I'm like, God, like, oh, I wish you were a little bit of a worse waiter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that would definitely be one of my. I mean, that might be my main pet peeve. I yeah. can't think. What are some other pet peeves of the rest? Have you ever? Do you ever do the hand up? You ever put the hand up to get the waiter? Yeah, attention? of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do that. Yeah, you do that. I my do dad the... will like yell across the room, which like makes me cringe. <laughs> amigo, <laughs> amigo, excuse me, amigo, <laughs> amigo. Dad, it's a French restaurant. <laughs> amigo, come here, buddy. Let me ask you, what do you recommend for the, uh, for the, you know, for for us to share? <laughs> my dad will do that too, where he'll just like start ordering from the busboy, and Hilarious. the guy's like, eh, I don't. <laughs> yeah, no English. Be sure to follow Maz on Twitter and Instagram at Maz Gilbrani. Maz, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, man. This episode of Green Eggs and Dan was produced by Andrew Steven. Executive produced by Jeff Umbro and The Podglomerate. You can find more of their podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music is Beautiful Food by Idan, and interstitial music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Special thanks to Erios. To see pictures of Maz Jobrani's fridge, information about the restaurants mentioned in the episode, and more, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at StandUpDan. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Podglomerate, a sonic universe. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.